welcome to the First Lutheran Church located at 512 South Kale Avenue in Miles City with pastoral services provided by Pastor Steve Rice. Jesus said to the disciples, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen the Father has seen me. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly I say to you, whoever believes in me, will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. It is good to see so many here this morning on this Mother's Day and to see both young and old alike, uh, to see uh, the church uh, blooming again, uh, rising again. It's part of our nature, is it not? So we have lengthy lessons. Uh, typically you would have found that first reading in your bulletin, but uh, because of the length, we omitted it today. And uh, uh, But we want to spend a few minutes focusing upon the gospel lesson, as is our custom. And I would suggest that in addition to the message itself, the text, the setting of today's gospel lesson is of particular significance. Jesus' words to the disciples are particularly poignant 
when understood within what was happening and about to happen to Jesus. For you see, though we are in the season of Easter, the lesson before you uh, takes place before Easter. Specifically on Monday, Thursday, the night in which he was betrayed. Today's brief excerpt from John comes from a lengthier section of that gospel. And bear in mind that following this scene that's been described to you, Jesus walked across the Kidron Valley to a place you know, the Garden of Gethsemane. There he was arrested, and Jesus had but hours to live. Concluding three years of calling and traveling and training and teaching and explaining the kingdom of God, it was all coming down to that night. The night John is describing for you. The night John remembered using the words of the lesson you've just heard. And while Matthew and Mark and Luke and even Paul wrote about the Last Supper of that night, John provided the church with a different perspective on events. John did not recount the meal. John did recall the, the atmosphere surrounding the meal and Jesus' words in particular indelibly inscribed in John's mind. Words like, let not your hearts be troubled, believe in God. Believe also in me. For you see, at this point, John, at this point, Jesus knew. At this point, Jesus knew what awaited him. Jesus was saying, in spite of what you are about to see take place, in spite of what is about to happen, do not lose faith. Believe. Do not lose heart, even when you see death. For Jesus' earthly work was done. Thousands had been fed, the blind, the broken, made whole. And recall miracles are always that way. Miracles are always intended to be portals, windows through which we see the kingdom of God. James and John, they'd argued about which of them was going to be the greatest and just shortly before this, Lazarus was raised from the dead and restored to Mary and Martha. And indeed, the same Peter who had walked on water earlier would become the Peter who, within hours, was going to repeatedly deny Jesus. And Judas, yeah, Judas was poised to make his pact with the priests and the Pharisees, saying, what will you give me? What will you give me if I give him to you? At this point, what remained for Jesus was Good Friday's cross. And I suspect that the dying was not the most distressful consideration for the Lord, but the path to that end. For crucifixion was intended to inflict as much pain and suffering as cruel Roman minds could inflict. The cross was an instrument of fear as much as death. 
In a world that could be incredibly cruel, Roman torture stood alone in its ability to create fear and therefore compromise faith. Now the cross. The cross, I suspect, that was what occupied Jesus' mortal mind when he was there in Gethsemane was on his mind when he prayed, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. It was as if the voice of the tempter in the wilderness might be whispering again. And yet, in these last hours, we know Jesus' greater concern remained for his disciples. Jesus said to the disciples, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. He cared for his own. He cared for his own even to the end. Jesus cared from the cross when he provided for his mother Mary's care by commending her to John. And from the cross even cared enough for his executioners to ask the Father to forgive them for what they did. Have you ever given thought to what your last concerns or your last words might be when your hour has come? When your story played out to its end? When all you have left is faith? When, as was said to me years ago by a physician as that good doctor walked through the curtain of an emergency room, turned to me and says, I got nothing left. It's up to God now. Over the years, when death was near, retrospectively, as I look back over my own ministry, I've seen faith and I've seen fear. Conflict and competition within families. Regrets and remembrances. And thankfully, I've also seen grace and peace. Troubled hearts to be sure, but sadness tempered with contentment, believing in what was to come. So it is, knowing what he knew, Jesus was concerned to the end for his disciples. Jesus was concerned with what they were about to go through more so than what he was about to go through. It seems that such knowledge of what the disciples had to bear troubled Jesus as much as the prospect of his own suffering. His lengthy words in John's Gospel, again, from which we just have a small piece, certainly points us in that direction. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also, and you know the way to where I am going. Heaven knows Jesus had told the disciples often enough of his own fate. 
as when he said, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death. And on the third day, rise. All of Jesus' hope rested on that third day. But on that night, the night in which he was betrayed, things were for him as well as for the disciples about to get very real. Jesus was preparing the disciples for an hour which could no longer be denied and indeed was at hand. You know, it's been long accepted that while there were 12 disciples, there were three who formed Jesus' inner circle, those closest to him. And those three were identified and have been known as Peter, James, and John. The three at those crucial moments during Jesus' ministry, such times as the transfiguration, and they would be there again in dark Gethsemane. But there were others, other disciples, though less recognized, who remain nonetheless instructive in today's lesson. And two in particular, by name, and two stand forth. First it was Thomas. You know the name Thomas. Anyone named Tom or Thomas? As a given name, it starts here in the Gospel. Thomas's contribution to the gospel was unlike that of Peter as the rock or even the beloved John. I find Thomas's contribution chiefly through making brief but crucial interjections into the narrative, into the story. Thomas's words often the foil against which some greater truth is revealed. Consider what kind of a man would say let us go with him, even if we must die with him. Or who would also say, unless I see, I will not believe. Or finally, my Lord and my God. These are all Thomas's words. Thomas, along with Philip, are both given important voice in today's lesson. Now, Philip, we know relatively little about, save that he was from Bethsaida, and his invitation to Nathaniel saying, we have found him about whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote. And when Nathaniel questioned that, Philip says to him, well then, come and see. Great words, huh? Thomas, oh, he's a bit more present than Philip in scripture. And on the night, we are considering now on that night, Thomas, who was nicknamed the twin, asked a pivotal question about Jesus' promise to come again and take the disciples to where he was going. To Jesus' promise, Thomas voiced what was on his pragmatic mind. He said, how can we know the way? Leading Jesus to say those words that we know so well, I am the way and the truth and the life. Thomas is mentioned 11 times in the New Testament. He's listed in all four Gospels. Seven of those eleven mentions of Thomas, though, are by name in John's Gospel. Clearly, John remembered Thomas. John seemed to remember Thomas with particular clarity, though, by the time John wrote this Gospel that we have, he probably, and he almost certainly hadn't seen Thomas in years. 
John remembered it was Thomas who rallied the other disciples when Jesus said that he was going into Judea to the place of Lazarus's death. Knowing the real risk for going there, it was Thomas who challenged the others to action, saying, well then, let's go with him, even if we have to die with him. That was the bold Thomas. Next, we encounter what I call the missing Thomas. He wasn't there in the upper room on that Easter night, not among the disciples, the night of Jesus' resurrection appearance. And for good or for ill, the world best knows him for what comes next, doubting Thomas. Huh? Because Thomas openly confessed his personal skepticism about the resurrection. He said, hey, unless I see, I will not believe. But John also remembered the absolute thunderstruck Thomas who cried out upon seeing Jesus a week later, my Lord and my God. Followed by the satisfied Thomas, who shared breakfast with Jesus and the other disciples on the lapping shore of Lake Tiberias. Thomas's final mention in the New Testament comes from Luke rather than John. In the opening chapter of Acts, Luke placed Thomas with others in Jerusalem as the, if you will, waiting Thomas, writing, and I read from Luke's book Acts, when they had entered Jerusalem, they went to the room upstairs where they were staying, Peter and John and James, the inner circle, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas son of James. All these were constantly devoting themselves to prayer, together with certain women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, as well as his brothers. These became Good Friday's remnant, destined to become the church. When the Holy Spirit flamed at Pentecost, things would again take off and begin at an accelerated pace. And the church in its infancy in those first years would have many questions to ask and questions to answer and many things to discern. Among those crucial questions asked and answered would be truths about the relationship between the Father and the Son that Jesus speaks to in the Gospel lesson. In answering these important questions, the church would often turn to John and his record, his Gospel, of things said and done while Jesus was still physically present. As they waited for Pentecost, Thomas was listed next to Philip. It was Philip's question that helped provide the church's answer to the relationship between the Father and the Son. In the text, John credited Philip with asking, Lord, show us the Father. This brought the reply, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. All that Jesus had done, to include his miracles, were intended to point not only the disciples, 
but to point you and to point me beyond ourselves and toward the Father's kingdom. As Nicodemus said when he came to Jesus by night, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs you do apart from the presence of God. And so we return now to the beginning. And my question in the end, what will you have left but faith? Faith is the one thing that will not be taken away by misfortune or accident or illness. This is the one thing that can bring peace at the last and even give comfort to those who mourn our passing. Oh, that we too might come to say, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in Jesus, for indeed in his kingdom there is room enough for us all. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this production of the First Lutheran Church. We welcome you to visit us in person at 512 KL Avenue. You can also find us on Facebook at First Lutheran Church, Miles City, Montana, and email us at flc at midrivers.com.